0: I'm Seattle Times political reporter Jim Bruner.
1: And I'm Seattle Times City Hall reporter Dan Beekman. Let's talk politics. Welcome to episode 76 of The Overcast, the Seattle Times weekly politics and news podcast. This week, we're sitting down with David Gutman, transportation reporter for the Seattle Times traffic lab project, There's been a lot of news about transportation uh, related to Seattle and Seattle City Hall in the paper recently and online. So we brought in David to talk to us about it and break it down. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me. Let's start with um, the Seattle Streetcar Project, which you've written about and has been put on hold by Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin. Can you just bring us up to speed on on why she put it on hold? It was cost overruns, basically, right? It was cost overruns.
2: Yeah. So the city is, has started building this connector to connect the two streetcars we have. We have one on First Hill. We have one in South Lake Union. Uh, both of them go about a mile. Neither of them goes very far. And the city wants to connect them with a new line along First Avenue. And they've already started digging up First Avenue and Pioneer Square. But as we reported a, a, a few weeks ago, once there, there's two different issues with costs on the streetcar. The, the, the first one, which kind of caused this re-examination of it, is how much it's going to cost to run the whole system once it's been built and opens up in 2020. And the Seattle Department of Transportation, you know, said, told the city council and told the federal government when they were applying for grants, we think this is going to cost $16 million a year to run the whole streetcar system. But SDOT doesn't actually run the streetcar system, even though they own it. They contract with King County Metro, who runs all the buses, and Metro you know, drives the trains. Metro, meanwhile, was telling Dot that, no, this is going to cost way more than $16 million. This is going to cost $24 million a year to operate once it opens. And according to these internal memos and back and forth between the two agencies, Dot basically ignored them and said, y- you know, don't worry about it. We're going with this number.
0: And so the project, of course, started... Remind us how long ago it got started. It was under the previous administration, right?
2: It it's been in various stages of planning, design, proposals since I think at least 2012.
0: And so the new mayor Jenny Durkin inherits this and says, "Whoa, wait a minute here. This could open and we don't really know how we're going to pay for it."
2: Yeah, that's right. The the you know, we we published a story saying that hey, this might cost a lot more to operate than than has been said. And the mayor announced, okay, we're going to look at all the finances of this project. Um, a week later, uh, the mayor announced, you know, we've only been looking at this for a week. It's probably going to take a couple months to do our full examination of the costs of this project. But we found that it's already $23 million more expensive to build this um, than we thought. So they had th- they have about $177 million of funding. And they've found that the cost is already up a little over $200 million. And she said, OK, we're going to stop everything until we finish this full review of the costs.
1: And is there a chance that it could be more than a delay? It could be terminating the project?
2: Yeah, I would say there's a chance. Um, it, you know, and this is just guessing here, it seems to me it's 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 certainly more likely that they could stop the project now than it was a week or two ago. Will they end up stopping the project? I don't know. Um, even pausing the project, which are the, which they've now done, will carry costs. It costs money to dig up First Avenue and then just kind of press pause. Um, if they pause it for six months, which is the maximum they said they might pause it for, it'll, it'll add according to SDOT, somewhere between 10 and $14 million to the cost of the project.
1: Okay. And there's also federal funds in play here. How much money from the federal government is at stake?
2: Total about $75 million. So this, this project, which now is going to cost about $200 million to build, has $75 million in federal funding. Uh, we've pretty much secured $50 million of that. We're likely slash hopeful to get another 25 million dollars that's not money that we could just say oh we're not doing the streetcar anymore we want to use that f- to build a new bus line for instance that that would probably have to be sent
1: back to the federal government so i've seen there are some people arguing okay maybe there's a cost overrun okay maybe the operating costs are more than s has said the department of transportation has said but we have this money from the feds we have to connect these two streetcar lines. Let's just push on ahead with it. H- has that point of view gotten any traction at City Hall at all?
2: Yeah, I, I certainly think that's a, a legitimate argument. You know, how much traction it has at, at City Hall, I, I don't know. I Obviously, it has some, or they would have, you know, if they thought this was a worthless project, they'd just cancel the project. You know, a lot of it depends on how how well you think this streetcar is going to work once it's built. We, You know, as I said, we have these two streetcars that, you know, they, they kind of go places, but they don't go that far. And it does make sense intuitively to connect them. Um, on the other hand, is expensive the to build. The streetcar will be in its own lane for most of the way on First Avenue. Right, because
1: that's been a complaint that, that folks have had about the existing streetcar lines is they get stuck in traffic.
2: They do get stuck in traffic, and even if they connect them with this new line, they will continue to get stuck in traffic on the ends. Um, although there are some tweaks being made. Um, but most of this new line, not entirely, but most of it would be in its own lanes. So we'd lose some parking spots on First Avenue, but the streetcar would not have to fight traffic. The city's projections for how many people will ride this, the whole streetcar system, once it opens, are, are pretty optimistic. They think about, you know, on the day, the year it opens in 2020 about 20,000 people every weekday will ride the streetcar which to put in perspective is is more people than ride the single busiest bus line in the city so the E line which goes up and down Aurora Avenue and is is pretty constantly packed carries around 17 or 18,000 people a day
0: what's their basis for that optimism i mean you know i mean there's been i've heard people argue too you know you could of course more cheaply build out a system with dedicated bus lanes, you know, as opposed to the streetcar.
2: You you could build, you know, bus lines more cheaply than you can build a streetcar. Uh, it's not quite the the difference in cost that some people think. You still, if you're going to build a new bus lane, you usually have to repave it with concrete because asphalt this asphalt roads are get torn up by buses, um, but. But it is more expensive. Um, On the other hand, we often politically, it's tough to move car general traffic lanes to bus lanes. People understandably get upset when you take away lanes that they used to drive in and say, now this is bus only. And so part of the appeal of the streetcar is that the city had already said, okay the, these lanes are going to be streetcar only
1: so yeah, i think streetcar fans say there's some research that shows that people just prefer to get on rail than than buses in some instances
2: yeah it's a it's a clearer system to understand it's going to be going through the densest part of the city through downtown um Sometimes streetcars are often viewed as an economic development tool as opposed to kind of a transportation getting around tool. But the city's saying, no, this is a transportation tool. It's, you know, this is the most tourist heavy part of the city. Bus lines can be confusing. It's tough to tell where they go, where they stop. Uh, Streetcars are are much clearer. It's easy to read the map. It's easy to figure out where it goes.
1: And then that's not the only project downtown that seems to be being put on hold there's also a bike lane project along fourth avenue that is headed that direction correct there's a bike yeah The so there's been this
2: long push to build a basic bike network through downtown we have a a separated protected bike lane on second avenue and it's kind of drawing increased ridership although not huge numbers but the argument from from bike advocates has long been you can't judge these lanes one at a time they have to connect to something because it's great if you have one lane but if that one lane dumps you off into a six lane road of car traffic well it it doesn't really help you if you don't feel comfortable biking on that road so what bike advocates have been trying to get built downtown is kind of a loose network of of protected bike lanes that connect to each other there was hope they had hoped that they'd be building one on fourth avenue this year that's gotten pushed back, I think, until 2021.
0: Why has it been pushed back?
2: The mayor has said we just can't spare that capacity. We need it for buses and cars. There's a lot of mega projects happening in Seattle now that are going to really constrict downtown traffic flow.
1: The pyramid of, period of maximum constraint that we talked with uh, Mike Lindblom about recently.
2: It, it's coming, and it'll feature buses getting kicked out of the transit tunnel because of the convention center project. It'll feature the Alaskan Way viaduct being torn down. It'll feature tolls on the, on the new Alaskan Way tunnel. It'll feature Alaskan Way being entirely rebuilt, Coleman Dock being rebuilt, a bunch of skyscrapers downtown that are being built and closing traffic lanes.
0: And related to all this, let's move to another story you've written about recently that got a lot of attention. You broke the story that Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin is asking the city to take a look at possible tolling, congestion pricing of downtown streets. And it's related to this period of maximum constraint, isn't it? What's that What's that going to look like? What is the study of that going to look like?
2: Well, what's that going to look like is anybody's guess at this point. But the city council last year, city council member Mike O'Brien in particular, got a study of tolling at downtown streets included in the budget. And we're hopeful, they are hopeful that there are going to be at least some results from this study later this year um, his thought process at the time was that they're tearing down the viaduct, the tunnel's going to open up, and there are going to be tolls on the tunnel. We don't know what they're going to be yet, probably between a dollar and $3 depending on the time of day. But Because ex- the
1: State Department of Transportation will run those tolls.
2: Right, and they have not decided, A, what the price is going to be, or B, when the tolls are going to start. The tunnel's going to open before the tolls start so you'll get used to driving it for free and then at some point tolls will kick in but the argument is depending on the price some number of people are going to say screw this i'm not paying the tolls and they're going to exit highway 99 and drive through downtown or onto i-5 instead of paying for the tunnel um those streets are already awfully crowded and so the thought process was let's see you know, could we put tolls on the downtown exits to try and keep people from doing that? Uh, that's what they said at the time. The study was going to look at. Uh, at this point, the study looks like it's going to be the basis for for some sort of proposal to do tolls all over downtown. What that's going to look like is kind of anybody's guess. What what you can kind of imagine is, and what the way it's worked in a lot of European cities is drawing an imaginary loop around, say, downtown in South Lake Union. And if you drive into that loop, you pay a toll. Do
0: you have, do you have any idea how they would monitor that? Would it be like with, with wash dot and you go over the 520 bridge, you have they take a picture of your license plate, or you have the good to go, you know, um, transponder pass that automatically registers your vehicle?
2: It, we're awfully early in the, in the process here. I mean, this is years away, but yeah, it would be some sort of technological device like that we wouldn't have toll booths i imagine at every one of these downtown streets it would be cameras or or overhead sensors toll, bo-
0: toll booths where you can only pay with quarters like you still find in some states right on
1: only quarters and you need exact change right. yeah <laughs> uh mayor durkin has proposed this but it, like you said many years out it's just an idea right now what's the earliest that this could even in theory happen
2: well, she said she'd like to get it done um by the end of her first term, which would be 2021, I think Councilmember O'Brien, who who proposed this study and who is firmly behind the idea of of some sort of pricing of downtown streets, called that um, awfully ambitious. And um, that does seem awfully ambitious. Uh, the, the other thing is the city could do this by itself. We wouldn't need the legislature's permission, but we would need a vote. Uh, so they would have to sell this to Seattle voters and Seattle voters would have to approve this. On the on the other hand, they could also try and sell it to the state legislature and this, get the state legislature's approval.
0: I imagine you got a lot of reaction to this story. Some of it probably thoughtful. Some of it probably just uh, screaming and yelling. But you know, what has been the reaction? Is there a, are there a lot of people who are just sort of alarmed by this? Um, what what have they been saying?
2: I think some people are certainly alarmed. Um, you know, Seattle is getting more and more expensive. Rents keep going up, although actually I guess they declined a little bit recently. But Seattle's an expensive place to live. Um lower income people are being priced out of the city. I think there is certainly some worry that this would be another cost to that, you know, would exclude lower income people from part of the city. And if you've got loads of money, it it doesn't really harm you that much to pay five bucks to drive downtown. But for other people, that's a significant cost.
1: I think I saw someone, maybe Councilmember Rob Johnson, mention in, in one of your stories that there could it could be structured potentially like the low income transit passes are, where if if your income is below a certain threshold, then you get some kind of exemption or reduction on the toll, just like you would on paying for transit.
2: It could certainly be structured that way. Um, who who knows? You know that. They- the the thing with projects like these is you start carve you know that certainly a, seems like a worthwhile exemption. I'm sure we could come up with other worthwhile exemptions. You you carve out enough exemptions and and sooner or later you're you're not getting the revenue you want you wanted, which the city would like to use to increase transit bus service.
1: Right, and you know another way of doing it, sort of congestion street management without. Tolls would be something that uh, you know they've done in Beijing, where I lived for a while, where you, if you had an odd number license plate, I think you could only drive into the center city on a certain day and then an even-numbered license plate the other day, and maybe that would help with the affordability issue. But then what do you do when it's not your day?
2: That's a good point. If you've got to drive into work five days a week and you need your car for whatever reason to drive into work, that'll help you three course, days a week. that, so that might you-
0: be more manageable. I mean, I'm not sure how the city would... Know what somebody's income is. We don't have an income tax in Washington state. I'm sure there's ways around that, but I'm sure the one thing the city will be wrestling with is on any of these proposals, you know, how big of a bureaucracy would it take to sort of manage the traffic issue downtown?
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. And it will take certainly some bureaucracy. The, the toll lanes on 405, the express toll lanes, spend about 35% of the money that they bring in just administering the tolls, just setting up the the technology and and sending out letters and
1: so it's an interesting political situation here to some extent where Jenny Durkin, the mayor has received some heat from supporters of alternate modes of transportation from urbanist folks uh, for her move to halt construction of the streetcar uh, from some quarters to delay the Fourth Avenue bike lane construction. However, anti congestion pricing or tolling is something that uh, folks like that may like uh, a good number of them what do you think's going on with the mayor politically on this transportation these transportation issues
2: i think that's a good question certainly um there has been vocal pushback from transit urbanist groups that are uh that don't like her her scrapping the uh not scrapping halting the street streetcar project um on the other hand you know, no no American city has put in congestion pricing or tolling downtown. New York has tried repeatedly, and the reason they failed is that politicians didn't vote for it because it's not, they don't think it's politically popular. So, so I don't think, you know, proposing congestion pricing is like a political scheme, you know, some sort of masterful political move to increase her popularity. Uh, she released it as kind of a, a set of broad, Ideas to reduce Seattle's carbon emissions. And uh, I, I don't think it, it's kind of some sort of plea for, for support or votes. I think she's act, that's actually a thing she wants to
1: do. She thinks it's a good idea. I, yeah. I
0: can imagine in some cities you would get some immediate blowback from some sectors of, like, the city council. We do have a districted city council system now. But I don't know. I haven't seen any city council member immediately come out and say, you know, this is a terrible idea. I mean, maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should consider it. But have you seen any opposition forming to the concept? Uh, f- among the city council, no. I, I, in fact, we asked uh,
2: all all seven, nine city council nine. members. Nine. Thanks, Nancy, Expert. expert. Uh, we asked all nine city council members uh, for their thoughts on this. And uh, two, um, Mike O'Brien and Rob Johnson were fully behind it. Say, yeah, let's look at it. Let's figure this out. Um, the other seven either didn't respond or said, we're, we're, we're not going to say anything until we get some more information. So, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say that the city council is wholeheartedly behind this. On the other hand, you can imagine in, in most cities across the country, I think it, a proposal like this would it, spur some immediate opposition and we have not seen immediate opposition.
1: Yeah, we do have, a uh, our second ever round of district city council elections, now, kind of coming up in 2019, and it'll be interesting to see whether uh, anti-congestion tolling becomes a campaign debate issue.
2: One thing I, th- I think we've seen is that is that, you know, there's all this talk of we hear all the time on, about a war on cars in Seattle. And whether there is a war on cars or isn't a war on cars, um, voters have decided that that they're going to vote for people who are are pro-transit. There is no member of the city council who's who's against transit and pro-car. I don't think there's been a city council member in – in 10 or 15 years who's who's run successfully on an agenda of we're going to make life better for drivers this is kind this is the path that seattle voters have chosen
1: and we can't get too deep into it because he isn't here but our columnist news columnist gene balk wrote a column recently that was interesting about car ownership in seattle and how the number of cars is continuing to go up in the city as the city really booms population wise but actually, the percentage of people in the city who own cars, I think, is is starting to dip for the first—go uh, down for the first time. So that's something to keep in mind. And we actually heard from uh, a bunch of readers uh, who, who had been reading your stories about—, about The congestion tolling about the bike lane, about the streetcar, also about some new parking rules for new development that you wrote about. Wondering, well, what about these politicians? You know, the mayor, the city council, they're making all these changes that affect how we commute, how we get around the city, how do they get around the city? And so I went ahead and asked all of them how they did that. And it was kind of interesting. The most popular options among city council members were busing and carpooling.
2: That's actually the most popular options among most people who work downtown. Um, the city every year uh, does a poll of all the all big businesses downtown, and just under half of people take, take the train or the bus to work. Only about one in four uh, people who work downtown are driving to work alone.
0: And Dan briefly mentioned that story that the, on the parking requirements. Bring us up to date on that. As the city booms, a lot more people living here. Percentage of of car ownership may be down. That kind of makes sense in a lot of ways because you know not only is it harder to get around on the streets, and maybe you have an ethic about the environment, but also the city is making it easier for developers to build without building parking. Right. What what's been new on that?
2: Yeah, that the city council passed a bill last week. Um, I think it was last week. It, it, it's the the intent is hey, it's expensive to live in Seattle. Rent is expensive. Home prices keep going up. Anything we can do to make it cheaper to build houses should, in theory, make it cheaper to buy houses or pay rent. So the city council passed a broad set of rules, all of which the the point is to make it easier to build housing without also building underground parking. Uh, the city has rules currently in place that are different depending on different areas of the city that dictate how much parking you have to build if you build housing. Uh, If you build housing downtown, you don't have to build any parking. If you build housing in a certain neighborhood, you have to make sure there's a certain number of parking spots per, per unit of housing. And what the city did was they got they got they made it easier to build housing in areas where there's frequent bus service without building any parking. The theory is if you live near frequent bus service, you might ditch your car and you don't need parking.
0: Right. And so the big picture in Seattle, I mean, I know that sometimes there's there's a reaction that it's liberal politicians living in some kind of liberal bubble, but the reality is it's getting more crowded, more dense. They're not making new land, right? Um, how much of this do you think is driven by just just hardcore realities that, that the city leaders sort of need to deal with versus maybe an, an ideolo- ideological fixation on streetcars?
2: Um, well, I mean, certainly this whole whole parking and housing affordability issue is, is not an ideological fixation on streetcars. I mean, you know, and, and in some sense, the this, this ship has already sailed. Low-income people have already been priced out of Seattle, Um, Housing is, you know, hardly affordable for some people who live here. And these measures that the city council has taken to try and make it easier and less expensive to build new housing um, have gotten a lot of people who've lived here for a lot of time upset because they can't find a parking spot around their house and they think this will make it worse. On the other hand, the city council is saying, look, we need to do anything we can do to make it more affordable to live here. And, um, you know, those two ideas are are coming into conflict with each other.
0: So last thing, I guess, I mean, if people are watching and reading the Seattle Times, what's the timeline ahead? I think you mentioned it briefly, but if they're looking for touch points on tolling and the streetcar, what's the next step that they might look for?
2: They're going to see information or action on the streetcar much sooner than on tolling. Uh, This, you know, thorough review of the project's finances and et cetera is is going to be done by mid-June at the latest. And at that point, um, we assume the, the mayor will make a decision on whether to go forward or not with the project.
1: Okay, thanks for bringing us up to date, and we'll keep watching. Uh, good to be with you today. Thanks, guys.
0: That's all for episode 76 of The Overcast. Thanks to our guest, David Gutman. Thanks to K and KX for having us in the studio again to record. And if you support the independent, locally owned journalism that makes this podcast possible, please visit seattletimes.com backslash support.
1: Hit us up with feedback, questions, uh, ideas for the show on Twitter at dbeekman, at Jim underscore Bruner. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. You can listen to the podcast there and pretty much everywhere else you get your podcasts.
0: And until next week, have a cloudy day.